0: Money FM 89.3, best of the evening runway. Under the radar. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and it's now time for Under the Radar with me, Chua Tian Now, today we're going to talk about a company that helps organizations navigate the most advanced cyber security threats in this day and age. Now, founded in January 2022 with the merger of McAfee Enterprise and FireEye, Trellix is a global company that helps firms gain confidence in the protection and resilience of their operations through its open and native extended. Detection and Response, or XDR, platform. The firm serves over 40,000 customers and nearly 2 billion US dollars in revenue and tells itself as the market leader in the cybersecurity scene. But what exactly does it mean by Extended Detection and Response, or XDR? What are the products and services provided by the firm specifically? And also, what is the state of the operations post-merger? And across the wider industry, Grandview Research values the global extended detection and response market at some $754 million U.S. dollars in 2022 and expects it to grow at a compound annual growth rate of some 20% from 2023 to 2030, But what are the growth opportunities for Trelix and what are the trends to watch in this evolving security landscape? Well, for more, let's speak to Vicky Becker, Senior Vice President, Asia Pacific and Japan at Trelix. Uh, Vicky, welcome.
1: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Great to have you on board as well. And Vicky, we've briefly talked about Trellix. I understand that the firm helps B2B customers gain resilience of their operations through its open and native extended detection and response platform. So before we start, Vicky, what is the simplest way of understanding what extended detection and response or XDR is for the man in the street? What would you consider as your value
1: proposition and business model? Yeah, thank you, Tian. There's a lot in there. There's a lot of uh, cyber security jargon, which not everybody uh, can keep up with at the moment. So maybe I can break it down a little bit. So XDR is extended detection and response. And what we mean is, as an individual, as a user within an enterprise organization, we need to be able to be secure. And you can consider yourself in this scenario as an endpoint. And what we mean is you're the user, you've got your phone, your iPad, your laptop whatever device that you may, or multiple in, in some cases. And what you're doing is extended detection and responses about all the different ways that we connect to each other in the enterprise. And how do we keep that safe and secure, including data loss and protection? So unfortunately, there's a lot of information that we carry around on our devices ourselves. So how do we make sure that we expand our reach to ensure that we're protecting our customers from end to end
0: Mm, i see so it's about the scope that it provides Um, how would you describe your value proposition and business model then
1: yeah thank you so we're a little bit different i think Um, the security landscape is quite crowded there's probably over a thousand security vendors out there that are offering to help customers which is fantastic Um, there's lots of amazing innovation but it gets busy And with Trellix, we came together from two companies that you mentioned previously, McAfee and FireEye. And we bought the portfolios together under Trellix. And we chose the name Trellix because we believe that cybersecurity is always evolving. There's always a different attack every single day in different shapes and different forms. So we believe in living security and we want the portfolio to grow with our customers. And so we talk about Trellix like Trellis. So if you think about if you're a gardener, uh, you have a trellis that your vines grow with as you grow, you 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 sometimes you cut them back, you prune them or you let them grow in a certain path. So Trellix is really a framework, if you like, to help your security portfolio grow with your own business. So one of the things that we do at Trellix is we're trying to be through our open and native architecture, adapt with our customers to what they already have. In, this, in the, what they've already invested in in their security portfolio, and then how we help them grow over time um, as things change, as our needs change, as there's a new threat today, as there's a new outage tomorrow. How do we adapt and change to that? So Trellix is we, we're trying to approach our business as a partnership with our customers. It's not just about selling product and moving on, you know, take, I want to take your money and move. We don't want to do that. We'll probably end up working with fewer customers because we want to build these true partnerships so they get value from their investments.
0: Hmm, And I understand consulting is part of the business for Trellix as well. Uh, But let's take a look at your product verticals, uh, Vicky. I understand the firm provides a range of services. Uh, Some help the firm uh, meet risk and compliance requirements. You have other services that help firms uh, model and identify security gaps in the software. You even have services that hunt down threats by searching through the dark web. So, Take us through the range, uh, your product verticals, uh, Vicky, which is the most important one where money is
1: concerned? Yeah, look, cybersecurity is very complex and the threats are everywhere uh, today. Um, And every customer is important. Everyone, regardless of your size of organization, security is is treated really the same way. It's really about the scope and scale of a larger banking institution, for example, versus a medium-sized enterprise. Um, so it's really important that we treat our customers through the ransomware protection, through endpoint security, um, through network security. Like there's lots of different ways through threat intelligence. There's ways that we can approach each customer a little bit differently. Um, in fact, we recently ran a Mind of the CISO study to really understand what organizations, what's happening, where are their concerns, what keeps them up at night, but more importantly tell us about your solutions, what's working for you. They've spent a lot of money investing in different security solutions that don't always work. And so again, we need to partner with customers and this is where the the consultation side comes into it. Do we run these workshops to help customers understand what they have today, what's working for them and then potentially where there might be some threats and how to prioritise so they can go to their board, they can go to their financial backers and ask for funding the right way with the right priority. I mean, sometimes your policies have to be written a certain way to protect what we know about today. But next week, that policy, that security policy might be out of date and it's hard to keep up with that. So you've got to understand within your environment, within the enterprise and government, let's not forget about those that protect us from all the bad guys as well physically, um, you know, how do we make sure that they have our access to the right data the right way? Um, to review what's important and how to stage that information.
0: Right, so I will gather that it is mostly, and the consulting side, very customized depending on the customer needs. And take us through your positioning strategy in the cybersecurity space, uh, Vicky, because we do have players like Microsoft, Cisco, CrowdStrike, and the Landscape. Do you consider them to be your competitors? And if so, what is your advantage against these players?
1: Right. Um, actually Tian Tan, one thing I will say is um whilst we have customized consultation available for customers, um we actually haven't what we've been doing is working with customers to create automation to make it easier in the security operations center. So it's not always about having to have expensive one-off consultation with customers. It's also about how we create a path moving forward. Now, when it comes to competitors, like I said, there's over a thousand vendors. When we went to RSA this year in April in in San Francisco, it was mind blowing the amount of people and technology just in cybersecurity. Um, Because we have our open architecture, we work with everyone. Again, it comes back to what do our customers already have? Where are their gaps and vulnerabilities and how do we plug those? And so we have uh, what we call APIs or plugins to be able to leverage where an investment's been made in a different technology, a different vendor's play. And how do we make the most of that to drag that information into perhaps some sort of platform or portfolio so you can see all the data Uh, What you want to do in security is you want to be able to, in your security operations center, your SOC, as we like to call it, you want to be able to see the information in real time. You have to be able to extract that. So I'd love to sit here and say, I want every customer to be 100% all That's just not how it is. That's not practical. And I often talk to customers about the, the fact that it's not a one security vendor. If you only have one security vendor, you will fail. You will have issues. It's just how we operate together.
0: Mm, I guess open platform is the way to go in in a lot of areas as well, not just in cybersecurity, but also in coding, low coding as well. Um, Yeah, let's zoom in on your global footprint now, Vicky. Appreciate if you could take us through uh, Trelex's global footprint, the scale of your APEC operations, and also what is the role APEC plays in your wider business portfolio?
1: Sure. So we have, um, through the combined businesses that came together, we've got over 40,000 customers. You mentioned that before. Um, actually, it's really interesting. I've worked in IT and the tech industry more than 30 years. Let's leave it at that. I'm very old. <laughs> and there are, um, you know, we, we work across a number of um, customers in APJ, but this organization at, at Trellix, our customers, we we actually are a significant portion of our global revenue, way more than any organization I've worked for and represented APJ in the past. So, you know, as an organization, we're over two billion dollars in revenue, um, and it's it's about how we show up to the not just the Fortune. We always talk about the Fortune five hundred that you know we, we're selling to the top eighty percent. I'm sure if you went along all of our uh, vendors in our in cybersecurity, they'd all say the same sort of thing. What's important to me in APJ is the customers we service here. And so we have everything from banking and finance, insurance, lots of government, as I mentioned before, government agencies that protect us, physically protect us. They are super important on a cybersecurity strategy as much as that physical protection that we have. But then you have manufacturing in Japan and throughout Thailand and and Southeast Asia. Um, We have high tech companies in, in India, um, you know, and then you have, there's a there's a big mid-market, mid-size enterprise uh, range of customers throughout Asia. And that's super important to us. And in Singapore in particular, um, we're working with so many um, large organizations, but mid-size organizations too. The, the other unique thing about Trellix is we talk about the cloud. Um, so globally, Trellix has a strategy to be on-prem. So keeping our data within the organization, or in the cloud. So we call that a hybrid solution. So that's a little bit different for us because some customers with their cybersecurity solutions, some have accelerated and gone to the cloud. And then when there's an issue and when there's a vulnerability, they don't have the information locally. So again, it's just, it's really important sometimes to look at what does a customer need within the region versus how do we adapt great best practices globally that we can bring to Asia Pacific customers.
0: Right. So, uh, two parts to this question, if I may just follow up from some of the pointers you mentioned. Um, the first part has to do with you mentioning that APEC takes up a big proportion uh, in terms of revenue or profit compared to the other companies that you work with. Any indication in terms of what range we're looking at? Uh, percentage, perhaps? And you talked about customers, right? A range. Could you give us a sample as to what that means? Any names that resonate
1: with our listeners? Oh, there would be a lot of names. I'm a little bit careful, Town Town, because honestly, like it is about protecting our customers as well. And cybersecurity strategies by customers, they don't like to talk about what they're doing. And I'm trying to encourage our customers more importantly to speak up when they have an issue. And sometimes that's done at these CISO roundtables that we host and things where they feel a little bit more comfortable to say, actually, I had that issue. I've had that issue. How did you deal with that? But you have to remember in Asia, um, different countries have different rules on reporting of uh, vulnerabilities and attacks that they have. Sometimes there's a, a monetary fine. Um, some some countries, the fine's very low, and therefore the embarrassment that they might face, the board repercussions they have from the board around investment Um they're not, they're not willing to speak up. So I'm a little cautious about naming names. Let's just say some very important uh, banking and finance uh, uh, customers in Singapore in particular, pretty much all of them we work with. Um, I'm sure all our listeners can figure that out. Um, protecting us at the borders, uh, protecting us uh, as high as the prime minister's office, things like that. So we're working across Singapore landscape um, and we really appreciate actually the partnership we had. Uh, we recently had the GovWare conference in Singapore and it was great to connect with our customers directly and host roundtables and have them talk to each other, not just from Singapore, but also Malaysia, Thailand, Philippines, so, you know, we had customers come in from around the region and share with each other Indonesia, just the fact that we can help people share what's going on. I think that's, that's critically important um, to how we show up against the bad guys
0: yeah you talked about two things one is about uh, adapting to the needs of apj so what are the needs specifically how does that differ from the uh, the global uh, your global portfolio or your global operations elsewhere and also you talked about customers not wanting to um, you know to show that they are vulnerable in certain ways right and hence the sensitivity um but do they mostly come on a preventive side of things, or do they come in when there is an issue?
1: Well, I think actually this is where we are a bit different. I think from APJ countries, um, actually we're preventative. I think we really do. We, you know, they have this uh, this notion called red teaming, blue teaming, and it's about running workshops to basically try and crack um, and crack through and find vulnerabilities in the network, in the security, portfolio, in the strategy. Um, And a lot of that teaming, those workshops are done across Asia. I'm really impressed with how many large customers do that on a regular basis, whether it's government or banking and finance in particular. Um, They do do that. So that's important. I think um, the other thing that we – so we have threat intelligence. We have our advanced research centre, or ARC as we like to call it. And so we have access to – and it's not just us. We work with other security companies as well. Um, But we basically have a database of – by country, by industry, uh, and utilizing public sensors around the world, we can collect and gather information. So for example, you know, if there's an outage, we pretty much can predict um, some of that, not always, um, but we have a lot of data and information to if there's an attack, we will see it fairly quickly and report it. And so we offer that to customers through a few different ways, we call it, um, you know, part of our threat intelligence. And through that like when i go to korea for example south korea i can help them hone in on what's happening in the automotive industry in other countries like germany and show them hey this is what's been going on this is what you should be concerned about if it's a targeted attack to that industry um same with banking and finance. like again we break it down and so we share a lot of this information with the government we worked with interpol globally around the world earlier in the year to take down the bad, to hack the bad guys, utilizing this threat intelligence. So there's a lot that we take, um, a lot that we take feedback from our customers to help them. So, and we try and encourage them to report on things so we can take that information and then report back. And now what would happen, sometimes we'll find an issue and a vulnerability and we will go back to a vendor who might be considered a competitor and say, we found this vulnerability. We don't go to the market and go, hey, everyone, look, there's a problem over here. We don't do that. We partner with people because again, if we don't do that, then we won't, they're not helping each other out as an industry. So it's, um, I, I do like the way that in Asia Pac, whilst people don't like to speak up or put their hand up and say, I wanna be a case study or a speaker, um, they, behind closed doors, we really do find our customers work and support each other together.
0: Hmm. Uh, Vicky, I do want to zoom in on the state of the business at Trellix. It is known as the company formed from the merger of McAfee Enterprise and uh, intelligence-led security firm FireEye, and it was merged in January 2022. So what is the status right now one year post-merger? Have you ironed out the teething issues?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Teething issues are when, you know, I've worked with many companies over the years. Um, I worked at CA, I worked at Cisco and other organizations, VMware in the early days, uh, where I've either been merged with someone, we've acquired someone. um, And, you know, you always have teething issues along the way, for sure. Uh, What I love, and I'm super proud of our team, especially in APJ, is we kept our customers foremost at front and center. And so whatever we did, whatever we did behind the scenes, we were working very hard. It's like a little duck, a, a, the swan above the surface looking very calm, underneath lots of things going on to bring these two organisations together, to bring the customer data together. And we didn't get it right. We, we definitely, you know, this is where you how you innovate because you have to fail and you fail fast and you make sure you correct and you learn and you move forward. And so there were things that if we look back, would we do them again the same way? Maybe not. Um, but... We kept our customers. Um, we communicated. We kept them updated, and we made sure that they were always the number one priority. And so, you know, a year down the path, um, we're still figuring a few things out for sure. Um, but we've got a lot more right than we did wrong. Um, and again, that's so uh, it, it reflects in our numbers. So you know, this is really important on how we continue to show up and and. Um, and show the world that APJ is um, is a region that you know we have early adopter countries like Australia. You know we have uh, leapfrog markets like um, Thailand. You know where they'll they'll miss and they'll just go straight to cloud. Um, we've got Japan that's very conservative. We've got India that's like I love the way that we we have such a mix of countries in this region. But Singapore's like calm and very organized and, and, and we do what we say we're going to do and so I'll, you know I've, I've lived in Singapore for 15 years and I love the fact that we're able to to showcase what what happens here um, as a as such a gold star for the and a standard for the rest of the region so I'm really really proud of Singapore for doing that. Well, wow. and let's take a look
0: at the business environment and the road ahead, uh, Vicky. Grandview Research values the global extended detection and response market at about 750 million US dollars last year expects it to grow at a CAGR of 20.7% between 2023 and 2030. Now, the valuation differ by research houses, but do you agree with this growth trajectory and what are we looking at for APJ for Trellix?
1: Yeah, so um look it's certainly a growth market and and depends on which research company you talk to the market growth is significant for xdr in particular um, but right now it's a it's at a low penetration maybe five to ten percent so there is the growth will look very aggressive 80 percent, 100 percent, just for xdr um, but across the portfolio it's very different and and so you've really got to look at that and and we are um maturing i would i would expect again just from Uh, 2022 to 2023 at the RSA conference, the number of people that showed up and said they had an XDR portfolio of products and an offering was quite astounding how in 12 months it had come forward. And we believe that Trellix was already formulating XDR even before we came together between the two organisations. So we were very early into the XDR space talking about it and and really starting to position. It's not a product, it's a platform. It's about bringing the technology together to be able to give the visibility and that's when you can provide automation and simplification and and, benefit and savings to um, our customers. So uh, we've been talking about that now for you know, even prior to the merger through McAfee and FireEye, it's just that as Trollix, it's something that we've started to talk to. Um, I think the the maturation will continue to grow. And I think the next three years, you know, I think probably in the vicinity of 75% of larger organisations will start to make that shift. Um, We're also seeing some vendor consolidation along the way. So I, when I meet with customers, they might deal with 20 security vendors. Sometimes it's more, it's a lot that's a lot when you think about and then there's there's challenges to get the skill set for the people to operate the security operations center uh, i visited a customer in, in australia recently and they had one guy they were trying to hire the second person and this was a decent like this was a, definitely a medium to enterprise size customer and they're sitting in part of the cio's team um, but they haven't been able to find people or people accept the job and then they take another job. And, and so you've got, we've got to find ways. It's our responsibility to find ways to simplify and automate for our customers to make it easier for them to manage the volume of cybersecurity threats.
0: Mm. And also, you talked about labour shortage, one of the trends weighing on players in the industry. And I do want to talk about another trend as well, because it does seem like cyber attacks have continued despite increased IT budgets and scrutiny. So why is this the case? And what bearing will this have on your future product pipeline?
1: Look, I mean, the attacks keep coming. um, And there's definitely a lack of um, support from leadership to, to keep up. And I think that includes customers in Asia and especially in Singapore. It's just trying to find the right people. I, I meet I meet some amazing people, and these people work very hard, very long hours. You know, unfortunately, if there's a if there's a, a, a vulnerability or an attack, people work weekends, twenty four seven, just to work through and make sure the organization's protected. And. You don't get a pat on the back when it's perfect. You get, a, you get kind of the opposite. It's when something goes wrong, it's how you show up and how you maintain that. And the importance of having the right technology to, to ensure that you're constantly evolving your strategy is critical. And so the common trends that we see, um, you know, we're, we're finding that that people are struggling to cope with security being in a silo. And so we've also got to work with our customers to help train Uh, cross-train and cross-skill people in the IT, people in networked function, for example, why can't they take on some basic cybersecurity skills? They should. Uh, And so we're trying to help train and uh, we run a lot of intern programs globally and, you know, through um, our soulful work, we've been trying to find ways to upskill and we're trying to work, I'm trying to work with some of the governments in different countries to to see how we can play a role. Um, You know, we have to start much earlier and this is a what an amazing diverse opportunity so why wouldn't we target uh, young uh, young girls and boys in, in primary school to high school on hey this is a this is an exciting area to be in um, so we see it as a growth opportunity for sure to drive the awareness and adoption of XTR but it's um, it's going to take time and it's a collective I believe it's a collective community effort it's not a trillic specific. Um, we can't solve it on our own. We have to come together as an industry and solve this one together.
0: And before we let you go, Vicky, specific to Trellix, what are some future plans for the rest of this year and into the next? What can we look forward to in APJ?
1: Uh, look, I think you'll continue to see uh, cybersecurity as a critical component um, for Singapore as a country uh, and agenda item. I think it's it's critical that we maintain the edge that we have in Singapore specifically. Um, So I think it's super important for us at Trellix we continue to invest in Singapore. Uh, We have an amazing team. I've got a great country manager here, uh, Pauline. She does an amazing job. And we're building our team and investing in our business all the time. So this is our Asia-Pacific hub um, out of Singapore. It used to be Australia. We moved it to Singapore a few years ago, and and I'm very proud of that. Um, We need to continue to bolster skills and capabilities And create these CISO roundtables. You know the community of CISOs, just again helping them. And sometimes they don't have the title of Chief Information Security Officer. Like you know that's okay. Um, Sometimes they're just IT security. They might be SecOps leader. They have different names. But bringing them together, we continue to talk to them and run these um, surveys and share back the information and the trends that we see because we believe that they take that very seriously and they really value that research. So that's super important. Um, and then I think um, I, I didn't really talk about this, but the partners we work with around the region, Asia Pacific is a, is a real connected um, industry and, and market and it's through uh, SI partners, it's through technology specialists, cyber specialists, in, in, uh, distribution partners, it's how we all collectively come together. And so we leverage our partner ecosystem because guess what? People aren't buying Trellix; they're buying a solution, a cybersecurity solution, and there's other products wrapped around that. And so, a partner plays a critical role in how we take that to market.
0: Exciting days indeed! Thanks a lot, Vicky. That was Vicky Bechter, Senior Vice President of Asia Pacific and Japan at Trellix. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM eighty nine point three. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.